Hello, Team Builder, and thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Cavert of Fun Doing and On Team Building. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Welcome, everybody. Hi, Michelle. Hi. How are things? They're going well. Yeah, we're, we're multi-recording today. <laughs> we are. We did one. Uh, I think that's our lifestyle now is try to get at least more than <laughs> one because we're yakkers. Everybody knows by now that we're yakkers. Um, but it's fun to to catch up and learn about things. Health is good. Family's good. Everything seems to be good. You yeah. look more awake today, <laughs> today than our the last, last time oh we recorded. Gosh. Yeah. The yeah. last time we recorded, Chris literally asked me, are you sure you have the energy to record today? And I was like, yes, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm she, just, I'm tired. I was tired. tired. She I was looked tired. really tired. And yeah. <laughs> but that, okay, good. Yeah. You're and, and I think you're excited. You know, you've got some things coming up and some adventures. So that's really good. Mine, my September is looking very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. By the end of September, there'll be some decisions to be made. And mm. yeah. So, you know, even in the weird times. Yeah. We can still have fun and adventures. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of adventures, uh, in my On Team Building podcast, I've been starting to share data about what people are doing face-to-face while safely distancing. Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, I just did my first one the other day. And that sparked the idea for this episode, just to find out what you did face-to-face. So there's three questions. We can kind of roll through them, but you know, what did you think about Mm -hmm. when you got this call, so to speak, they wanted you to do face-to-face while safely distancing? What was your thought pattern? Then what did you do? What did you program? And then what's the biggest takeaway? Like you now say to yourself, okay, next time I do this, I want to remember this. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that would cover our 15, 20 minutes just to share your steps through that process. Absolutely. Well, this was a unique program to where it wasn't necessarily, they didn't call me to come in and do team building for their team. But what they did was they ended up purchasing one of my team building kits off my online store. And then they wanted training on how to facilitate the activities in the bag. So as far as thoughtfully sequencing out a program that, you know, hit all of their benchmarks. It was a little bit different. So it wasn't, yeah, Yeah. it wasn't necessarily me coming in. What's the right icebreaker? What's the right communication or problem solving activity? What debriefing activities? So there were specific activities in this kit. I needed to teach them how to do it. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that we were physically distancing and keeping all of the protocols in place as well. So this would be then thinking about if you're a trainer, maybe this would be more focused on the if you have to train staff, mm-hmm. you'll train them activities or whatever it is you have available. So same kind of maybe mindset. Yeah. You're going in, you're not you're, you don't have to worry so much about a sequence, but thinking about this safely distancing is kind of what will walk through. Cool. All right. So what, how did you go into this? You knew you had to train. What was your thought process? Yeah. So first and foremost was communicating. I need a large room because I want to make sure that we have enough space to put everybody. And this was one of those programs where we were going to be standing, sitting, standing, sitting, doing activities and whatnot. So I wanted to make sure everybody had their own independent small table 
and chair that nobody else put stuff on, that nobody else touched. So we literally, and there were 18 people in the program. So I needed a room large enough that I could put 18 small little four foot tables and chairs. And that way then everybody had a place for all of their things. And then we spaced those tables six feet apart from one another. So it was a large room. But then if we could comfortably and make sure that we could ensure that people were six feet apart, people could take masks off when we were just sitting and listening and if I was each other and they could hear each other better than when I was at the front of the room and I, I do build out a PowerPoint presentation so I could really walk them through, you know, first I have them, we do an activity, you know, so whether it's up out of the chairs or whether I have them independently doing at their tables or whatnot. Uh, But then when I go back, I do still build out a slide deck because I try to hit as many learning styles as possible and hands-on learning is of course the best and that is experiential and it's you know one that is just <laughs> embedded into my bones I you know you have to do but then I also know that the more you can hit people with the same information in different mediums it also helps it stick in their brains so I also still then go back and hit here are the main teaching points on this particular activity that I want to make sure that you understand. Are there any questions on how to facilitate this? So I try to be pretty thorough um, with as many mediums as possible so they can see it in different ways. When I was at the front of the room giving, you know, whether I was walking through my slides or whatever, I had my mask off so they could hear me well. I could project to the back of the room and and so I hadn't, but and nobody was within six to actually even 10 or 12 feet from me. Uh, so there was a good even because when you talk loud, you do project out more. And so, you know, which then, of course, your, you know, your breath and whatever also projects more as well. I had my mask off then. Then when in the center of the room, we would come together to do activities, then masks were required. As soon as we were closer than six feet of one another, that's when we had masks on. So the big prep is enough space. Yes. I talked to someone um, for the On Team Building podcast. They went outside. Mm-hmm. That was the only way they could do it with the amount of people. They didn't have an indoor space big enough. So yeah. very uh, important consideration. Yeah. Is being able and to this was, it was, I'm really glad we were able to be inside because it was a 98 degree day with 100% humidity. It would have been miserable <laughs> had we been outside And, you know, in that regard, it's so hard then you have one more thing pulling away at your focus and pulling away at your energy to be able to really stay focused and learn some things. Environment is key as well. Um, Keeping people emotionally safe and physically safe. So that's one thing. So as far as the activities we did, here was the interesting thing about this program is kit that they purchased and, and we were training on was called tabletop team building. It was around small groups in small quarters. <laughs> that was what they needed. And so I knew it would be challenging going in. We just, we had lots of hand sanitizer there and we made sure that before anyone touched any props, we had, we hand sanitized up. And then when we would come together, I would have no more than four people around one table. And if they were manipulating with an activity or something like props for activities, then afterwards, you know, they would touch the things. And now I have that, their kit, they knew they were going to quarantine that kit then for, you know, a good week or so before they actually got it out and used it again. And then after they were finished, they all hand sanitized again. We went through a lot of hand sanitizer that day. And I made a statement at the very beginning of the day as well, that if anyone wanted to be in an observer role, 
to where instead of physically touching and doing the props and being within six feet of someone, that I could provide an alternate role for them. If they wanted to be an observer and then I would call to them in the debrief and things like that, that was 100% okay with me. I didn't want anyone to feel like they had to participate and it was a, you know, that they would be looked at poorly for not participating because I wanted to make sure participate at your own comfort level because we're just in a weird time in history and I don't want to force anyone or, or ask someone, put them in a position to where they would feel like they were putting themselves in any sort of physical harm. Right. You provided the choice. Mm -hmm. And in my experience with trainings, it's a little different than trying to get a group to work on a concept like leadership or trust or communication. You are training them on how to lead an activity. So I think just almost like watching a video. Right. If you're at least there watching other people do it, as a trainer, you'll you'll get the idea mm-hmm. of how to do it. Having your hands on is probably, you know, maybe better. But I, I, I also have an argument about that as well as if I'm participating and I'm a participant, am I learning it with a facilitator mind or a participant mind? Mm-hmm. Where if you're an observer and you are watching other people do it, what do you think about how would I facilitate it? What kind of questions would I ask? So you're actually in facilitator mode while watching people do it, I've been kind of wrestling with that experiential participation is cool. You could say, I did this activity. And are you really in thinking of it as a facilitator? Right. So you're almost putting them in an accidental situation that might be better Mm -hmm. in a training Right. I would also say it depends on the activity. Itself. You're right. You're right. You know, You're like right. some of the puzzle activities, like the arrowhead puzzles, that one's one of my favorite. But if you don't know the answer to that and you're still observing it, you're probably in your mind still a participant because you're like, oh my, I have trying no to idea. figure it out. What is yeah, that? that? I have no idea. Yeah, but if it's sense. something, something different that maybe there isn't one right answer like that one, then I would agree with you. I've been doing more fishbowl. Mm-hmm. where I'll have some people will be doing an activity while the others watch and being in their facilitator mind. How would you facilitate it? Mm-hmm. How would you, when you're watching a group go, what questions come to mind that for processing? So I get them to practice that versus everybody participating and then no one gets to practice processing. Mm-hmm. So I found that's another way to get them to practice in real time versus me saying, well, here's what you could ask. Right. Let's have you think about what you could ask. Mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting how you, how you, you know, how you look at training and what you get out of it, depending on the role that you're in. Yeah. Um, gloves. Did you offer them gloves at all? We did for- not do gloves okay. because we had so much hand sanitizer. So. so that was that you felt that was mm-hmm. that covered it. Yeah. Okay. One thing that I loved about this particular training also is that of the 18 participants that were there, they're all responsible for teaching government mandated trainings that are the slide decks are built out. You say you are mandated to say this, do this, whatnot, but they're so sit and get and death by PowerPoint that their retention level and attention level are horrible in their training. So they wanted some experiential activities that they could have them do together in small groups in a, you know, in a small space but then how could it metaphorically relate to the government mandated training that they have Content. to do? Yeah. And that's where it was so much fun because then it's 
for me, introducing these, you know, simple activities that you could use with any audience. And then afterwards, I'm like, okay, here's how I would debrief this. If it was just a regular team building group, you know, here's your what, here's your so what, here's your now what. And now I want you, now let's brainstorm together as large group. How could this metaphorically match? There were six common trainings that of the, of the, trainings that the 18 all presented. And so they're like, what about this? And how about this? And what about that? And that was so fun. Yeah, there's the facilitation thinking. Mm-hmm. So how does it connect? Yes. That's what I love to do. Okay, here's an activity. Now you tell me, you're the subject matter experts. Mm-hmm. You tell me how it connects to what you're doing. You make the bridge. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah that's fun. It that's was, that was fun. really cool. Other activities that I did that were non-prop, that also could be done at their desks. So I did the Simon Says, you know, the Simon Says version, the way that we learned from Scott Gerst that we now carry on. And that was perfect. Everyone just stood right behind their chair that they were sitting in. And it was, and it works so well in a large group, in a small group. Um, so Simon Says was one that we did. We did also do Switch Change Rotate, which is one that I learned from you. And that one had people a little bit closer. Now, that that was in the middle, in the center area and whatnot. And they were switching and changing rotate. That's where we, we did wear masks when we did that one. But again, we didn't have anyone touching one another. You don't have to put hands on shoulders or anything like that. So that was one where we could move around a little bit. Another one I did when they were actually sitting at their desks was what I call the memory test. And it's one where I read off a list of 17 words and nobody can write down any of the words until I am finished reading off the entire list. And then they have to go back and they have to write down as many words as they can remember me saying. And I do this one specifically when I'm training other trainers because I want to reinforce the concept of nobody is going to remember everything you say. And there's a few things like people always get the first word and the last word. So how does that relate back to, to when you're facilitating? Oh, interesting. People will remember the first thing you say and the last thing you say. So have a good opener and have a good closer. Yeah. There's also one word that oh, I repeat cool. three times in the list. Everybody gets that word. So how does that relate back to giving directions as a facilitator? The really important things, make sure you say it three times or, or hit them with a repetition, multiple things, right? Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. yeah so, and then I've got, that? what do you call it? I call memory? it memory test. Yeah. Memory test, memory test. And okay. I do it, it's, I, when I'm teaching new facilitators, I use that just to talk about people, like when you're given directions, don't give so many directions at what time that you set people up for failure because they're not going to remember all of them. Give the human brain a little bit of time to catch up, right? So you've got to give a few instructions, maybe even have them repeat what you heard them say or what they heard you say. Active listening, listening, like all those things. And then give them a few more, but you know, pause in between a couple of directions. Anyway, it's a great activity. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Is that written up in any of your books? It is. It's in my Experiential Facilitation 101 course. And um, that is going to, I am actually publishing that up. book yeah, in, okay. the, in the next few months. Yeah, that's a good one. I can see I'm, my brain is already going to a couple other ways to modify that mm-hmm. as well. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, what else? Anything else that you did? Let's see. Our, share? Then some of the other activities that we did sitting at tables was the tabletop bridge. It's a, it's, it's a replica of Da Vinci's bridge and it's a small tabletop version that has 
some small notch dowels in it. We have the large floor version as well that I got from Guido Cremoncini from Italy. He's a fantastic facilitator that, and he brought that activity to me. We now carry it here in our online store for him here in the States. And I have a tabletop version of it as well. So if you've got small groups and small teams, and it is a challenging puzzle. So they were all working on it together and that was a fantastic metaphor for them and, and for several of the programs that they teach. We also did the arrowhead puzzles, which I mentioned previously. So those are made of vinyl and you have to maneuver the pieces around to try to see five visible arrowheads using all of the materials that you've provided to them. Nice. So that's a great one. And vinyl is easy to clean. It is. Right? You can clean that. That's very cool. Very easy to okay, clean. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So that's kind of a handful of the activities yeah, that we did. Yeah. It was a it was a full six hour training day. So we did a lot of activities. And all these things are in the tabletop yes, kit. Correct. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And they were learning it. That's awesome. Uh, any any takeaways that if you were to do something like this again, what would you do differently? You know, I'm not certain I have a good answer for that because okay. I felt like it went, went really well. That's awesome. Um, awesome. I did have a few of the participants thank me for letting them be in the observer role. Now, not everybody did it the entire time, but I think, especially in the morning, I had a few more observers in the morning and then by the afternoon, people saw, okay, they really are being safe, quote unquote. You know, they are, there's lots of, they are sanitizing afterwards. They are wearing masks when we are closer to than six feet. So I think for some people, they just needed that reassurance that yes, we were going to follow some really good safe protocols during the program itself. Okay. And, you know, and with any group, you know, the, the longer you're with a group, the more comfortable you get with people. And so, you know, it could just be maybe for them, you know, we all have those participants that are voluntold to be there that show up with their arms crossed and they're like, I don't like this team building stuff. I don't want to be here today. And so maybe that was even where they were coming from and maybe why they wanted to be an observer first. And then if they say, oh, this is actually kind of, it looks kind of fun. Maybe I want right. to be a part of that. Right. That could have been part of it too. I don't know. I think giving people options, it's a weird time in our history. And for me, I just wanted to make sure everyone felt comfortable participating at whatever level felt good to right, them. Right. Uh, one last question. I think we have time for one last question because this came in to me. You and I had had the experience of practicing with some local facilitators about spacing. And we noticed that we were all magnetized towards the center. How did you manage the spacing or how did the group manage the spacing to make sure they kept safe distance. Yeah, for me, I just made sure or I, I asked the group for a commitment to make sure that when they did come into the center activity area, that that was a mask zone. So mask zone. So mm -hmm. it wasn't so much about six feet. Right. It was more you got to have your mask on when you come into the center. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we maintained if they could maintain six feet apart, they could take their mask off. And that was more where the desk areas yeah, were. It, and then it. in the activity area, zone we would be closer than six feet so yeah, that was cool. mass for it makes sense like a you had the circle of desks yep. in a sense and if they were outside that together then it was mass free mm -hmm. inside was or mass were optional then. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. mass on cool that's mm -hmm. nice thanks so much for listening if you have additional answers or comments about this question please send them our way and if you have a question you'd like us to tackle we would love to hear it you can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash askpodcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash 
Ask Podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training-wheels.com. You can sign up for my Fun Doing Fridays activity email and find me at onteambuilding.com. We hope you join us next week for Ask Michelle and Chris about team building.